Hi, everyone, and welcome to Cherry Beckert's GovCon podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. My name is Kurt Smith. I'm a manager in Cherry Beckert's Government Contractor Services Group, and with me today is Brendan Halloran, also a member of Cherry Beckert's Government Contractor Services Group. Brendan is a senior manager in the group and a former Divisional Administrative Contracting Officer with DCMA. He was with DCMA for 10 years. And today we are taking a look at idle facilities. So thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, and on the subject of idle facilities, uh, Brendan, uh, generally speaking, I mean, these idle facilities can take various forms. Uh, for example, um, when I was with DCAA, uh, I audited um, a shipyard, where, uh, which is a manufacturing facility, and idle facilities in that context would mean um, there is, say, uh, a dry dock available for overhaul of a destroyer uh, or a, a naval ship of some kind, and the Navy has not awarded a contract for an overhaul, and that uh, facility sits idle. Um, so, you know, there is some uh, incentive for the government to uh, keep uh, a manufacturing facility that is of national uh, concern, if you will, like one that builds uh, destroyers, aircraft carriers, submarines, what have you, uh, to the uh, defense industrial base. Anyway, it's in, very important for the government to keep those yards occupied with ongoing contracts. That's one type of vital facility. Another one is uh, more topical, if you will, uh, given the pandemic, and that is uh, idle Class A office space, which is suddenly an issue uh, with the pandemic, given that uh, everyone uh, with the onset of the pandemic was basically made to work from home. That's in the private sector and the public sector with government contracts and, of course, uh, non-government contracts. So uh, there's an issue uh, around the country, perhaps around the world, where Class A office space is sitting unused, where you might have 30 or 40 people coming into the office. Those same people are allowed to work from home. Uh, the, um, shall we say, businesses, generally speaking, management has become more comfortable with employees working from home. They trust that the employees are, are working and that the quality of the work is the same as if the employee were working at the office. So this has become uh, accepted. So there's no impetus or need for employees to report to the office in most cases, if you will. So this creates an issue with idle facilities. Contractors may have taken out a five to 10 year lease on uh, some class A space uh, and Prior to the pandemic, that space was fully occupied. With the onset of the pandemic and currently, that space is maybe 25% occupied. So the contractors find themselves in a position of paying for unused space. So how does the government view that? And what I thought we'd do is uh, take a look at the cost principles first, and then I was gonna get your insight and perspective uh, on this because I think you've bumped into this before. Um, Matter of fact, I know you have. So let me bring up the appropriate cost principle. This is FAR 3120517. And there is actually a time frame referenced in that cost principle. 
of a year. So uh, if I, uh, the idle capacity, and I'm reading from the principle, means the unused capacity of partially used facilities. Um, and in 3120517B2, there is the time frame of a year referenced where um, the government is basically uh, willing to uh, give contractors a year to find other uses for that space or to, to reduce the cost for that space. So, um, so we, you and I discussed earlier the current environment for um, perhaps subleasing that space is a far more difficult one today, given the fact that there aren't as many people seeking space. I mean, with all this unused uh, Class A space, there aren't a lot of people looking for new space, okay? They, they've, are, they've got plenty of space on their hands already under lease. So if a contractor finds himself in this situation, Brendan, what would be your response initially? Yeah, thanks, Kurt. Um, it's definitely, um, you know, it's always been a, uh, a topic of debate <clears throat> with contractors and, and the government. And, and certainly I think the reason why we decided to talk about this today is, you know, in the COVID environment, um, you know, it really has um, greatly changed what the um, occupancy is and the, you know, the really perceived need for employees to actually, you know, be at the workspace. And so um, there's a, a number of um, kind of areas and, and one I just want to drill down a little bit um, you know, in the, the principle for it is that, you know, the distinction between idle facilities and idle capacity, you know, is that an idle facility, you know, theoretically would be completely unused. You know, there, there's no no employees regularly reporting, there's no operations going on there. Idle capacity is a little bit more vague in that, you know, it's a, you know, a portion of, you know, in this case, you know, a facility as an example that you know is you know perhaps you know used at a reduced level um you know perhaps it's got um you know 20 percent of you know if we're talking about employees being the you know kind of the capacity um you know 20 percent of you know a hundred and so you know there's a little bit more um kind of room for interpretation on capacity uh because you know that um lends itself to you know at what point you know does a you know, facility or an office that, you know, has greatly reduced, um, you know, occupancy, <clears throat> at what point, you know, should the business or the contractor be thinking about, um, you know, reducing its footprint or um, consolidating those particular employees, perhaps to another building or, or facility, or, you know, in, in this day and age, it could be too remote. Um, so there's, you know, a couple of, um, couple of areas where, you know, if you're subject to government review or audit um, in terms of what the um, what the usage is, you know, and that, um, you know, idle facility, if you're really not utilizing that, um, as you mentioned, Kurt, you know, that, um, you know, the, the prescribed approach to that is that, you know, a reasonable amount of time, um, usually not to exceed one year. And so contractors really do need to be um, aware of this and thinking about it. Um, I do believe that, you know, 
um, kind of in with the COVID pandemic, I think that everyone, including the government, is in a similar um, situation uh, with you know a shift to to remote work and uncertainty as to when or if you know you're going to get back to that office um, environment. And so, contractors are would certainly be best, um, you know, to be planning and evaluating exactly. Um, you know what their you know what their facility uh, footprint is, what the usage is, what the outlook is, and you know by really um, kind of being proactive in that approach, uh, it's you know it really kind of starts to demonstrate you know that you're aware of it. Um, you you know acknowledge that there may be some unused capacity or perhaps even a you know completely idle facility. And by really starting to, um, you know, document, you know, what um, what the plans are for that, um, what the options are for that. Um, in some cases, if you had <clears throat> perhaps a you know idle facility, what are some of the things um, you know that you would look at? Would include, you know, is there a future contract need for it? Um, what was the original contractor program um, need to have that space? Um, you know, and really you know, documenting and demonstrating that you've got all of those points met is very important to um, kind of support the case for one, you know, obviously the, the space was, um, you know, there was a require, requirement for it originally. And what is the, you know, what is the forward looking, um, you know, need for it? And if there really is none, you know, you need to start to document things like, you know, what actions are you going to take to, um, you know, dispose of the space? Um, is it a matter of subletting? Um, is there an option to terminate the lease? And what are the costs associated with that? Um, those are the types of things that, you know, if, uh, you know, if there is a question or finding an audit um, related to that space or facility, you really do need to have some justification as to, you know, what were you, you know, actively doing to address it and, um, you know, to support, you know, either, you know, the costs associated with it for that up to one year period. And in some cases it does, um, you know, some contractors run into situations where they, they can't um, dispose of that space um, in over a year. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of factors that, um, that need to be considered and, and really actions that can be taken to, you know, kind of demonstrate that to the government. So in your experience, uh, which I found refreshing, again, I was on the audit side and you're on the um, contracting office side, I found refreshing is that the government's open to negotiation. In other words, for example, you mentioned to me that uh, governments, the government may be willing to pay for termination costs for a lease. Um, you know, and your comments just now about documenting efforts to sublease the space, um, to find other uses for the space, uh, you know, to perhaps to uh, win um, follow-on contracts or uh, other contracts where that space could be used by that program. All these things come into play in the decision of the government to pay that claim, uh, perhaps past that year. I know the year is not written in stone, but just using that as sort of the basic parameter, you know, to pay the cost of that space past a year, if you will. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've certainly seen circumstances such as that. And, and again, you know, from an audit perspective, the year will, will, from my experience, always be the kind of the, the cutoff. Um, so, you know, anything in excess or any costs associated with that facility, 
um, or space in excess of a year would certainly likely end up as a you know a question costs or finding and so um you know circumstances that might contribute to um you know the consideration of you know perhaps a contracting officer of any um you know any time in the associated costs in in excess of that year things like you know what were the <clears throat> what were the initial um, requirements were there special requirements you know for that space and that could be you know, <clears throat> whether it be um, something unique about the building, um, you know, access could be um, security requirements associated with a contract. And so some of those things that drove the initial need um, or requ contract requirement, um, you know, should be documented and really used as part of the support case for, you know, perhaps why it's not um, as easy um, to find, um, you know, a way to uh, sublet it, um, or perhaps there's not as great of a demand um, for that type of space or, you know, for its unique, um, you know, attributes. So there's definitely things that um, can be, um, you know, really proposed to the government to support um, some circumstances. Again, it may be rare, um, but there are instances where, you know, consideration can be given uh, greater than that that year um you know again you want to make every effort to you know to not exceed that that kind of general rule of thumb but um you know but by being proactive in terms of you know understanding what the need was and the time the lease that was associated with it if that were the case and really those details could be used to support um you know further consideration of a reasonability on it um uh, so I mean, has the government, I mean, we both as, you know, GovCon professionals are constantly on the lookout for the release of guidance, generally speaking, and in particular about certain issues. Have you seen any guidance released from the government? I know that, as you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, the government itself is probably struggling with the same issue. So it's not like the government is unaware of it. And I'm sure contractors have complained to the government already uh, somewhere, in, you know, in the network of contracting officers across the country. So have you seen anything? No, I, I haven't. And, you know, you know, I certainly have, you know, talked with a number of folks and just to see if there's any, you know, um, discuss, active discussion happening, you know, perhaps in, you know, regulatory agencies or audit agencies or, you know, even, um, even more so, is there any actual guidance coming out? <clears throat> and there, there really isn't anything um, firm at this point. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, as we've discussed is that, you know, I think everyone, including the government, um, as well as contractors are in the, the same boat of, you know, it's very uncertain in terms of, you know, what, what would the environment need to be? And when will that be? Um, for things to potentially, to, you know, go back to normal and, and normal being, you know, what was, um, you know, pre-COVID in terms of um, occupancy. And, you know, there's just so, so much uncertainty there. So we don't know when, you know, when that clock would start um, from, let's say, an audit perspective. Um, so <clears throat> that's why, you know, I think it's good for, you know, for companies and, and contractors to be thinking about it now in terms of, you know, what um, what planning can you do and, and what what do you really see as a realistic, um, you know, occupancy or use of some of their, their space and are there benefits to consolidating or or perhaps looking for a, a way to dispose of some of it? Right. I think you mentioned something along the line of a conversation with one of your 
context that in forward pricing proposals, uh, the idea of consolidating space is being uh, brought up, if you will. Well, no, I, I think it's you know um, a, a good a good point in that you know certainly um, you know contractors you know who are able to um, you know who have identified that you know a certain part of their workforce you know are going to be either <clears throat> only remote or predominantly remote or they're going to use some kind of you know kind of hoteling um, <clears throat> obviously their their footprint can be reduced and you know do they have the ability to consolidate to some of their other existing facilities um, and by consolidate I mean you know move um, you know move some of those employees or operations um, and really reduce what that what that footprint is and so you know there's certainly benefit to that you know if there are ways to um, you know either dispose or, or use the space otherwise but there's certainly you know benefits of that in terms of reduced or potential reduced costs um, associated with you know with the um, with the facilities so you know in forward pricing rates and you know in what you're looking at for your um, budget and forecast there's certainly opportunity there <clears throat> that contractors should be aware that they can um, you know consider that you know when they're um you know looking at you know next year or or years beyond that um so there's certainly you know costs that can affect their rates um you know and certainly you know it could be a, a competitive um a competitive win um you know there's there's certainly some strategies that that could be used you know while you're actually thinking about what the uh, what the resources and facilities needed are yeah one other thing that you mentioned and and we'll bring this conversation to a close uh, here shortly, but is the fact that uh, during the onset of the pandemic, certain government employee, it's not employee, not government employees, contractor employees were not allowed to report to work at all. And so that in my mind, if that were true, that would extend that year parameter uh, beyond, you know, give some consideration to extend that time frame. Would you comment on that? Yeah, no, that's a good point, Kurt. And I think, um, you know, I think that that's why there hasn't been any, you know, any firm directive or, or guidance in terms of, you know, when is audit um, going to be looking at this? Um, obviously, it'd be very hard to, um, you know, have, um, you know, question costs or audit findings associated with um, facilities at this point, because literally, um, <clears throat> you know, aside from, you know, very, um, you know, select, you know, uh, operations where, where people really do have to show up every day, um, you know, pretty much the entire um, contractor base has been in the same situation. So um, I do believe that there would have to be consideration given to um, timing and when is, you know, when is the time right to actually, you know, look at this in terms of, you know, what uh, what time frame can we associate with it being reasonable to continue, um, you know, occupying or at least, um, you know, having the costs associated with some of these facilities. So I think it's, you know, a bit of an unknown, um, and I and I certainly do know that <clears throat> at some point it will be picked up again, and so you know, contractors being you know prepared with um, you know what what their plan is 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 probably the best uh, best course of action. I agree, and and I agree also that it's a very much a wait and see situation. Yeah. Everybody, as you said, is in the same boat, um, and we'll you know three or four to six months from now, the picture could look very different. And, and maybe we can revisit this topic again and maybe introduce someone from our real estate uh, industrial group uh, to comment on this because I'm sure some of their clients are the landlords that are seeing this 
change in their circumstances and its effect on their businesses. So um, I want to thank you for your time today, Brendan. You have been very um, informed. Your comments are very informative and I appreciate your time. And with that, uh, we'll sign off. If, if you have any questions, uh, uh, generally speaking, please email us. Um, and you can find this and future podcasts on our website at cbh.com. Thank you very much and have a great day. Thanks, Kurt.